this club that's bearing steering. What about this text from the thinker? The club will be divided into two sections, non-steerers and steerers. The non-steerers would always be, would always be thinking, what are they looking at? <laughs> Genius. Uh, oh, it's outstanding. Adam yeah. from the City Morning Herald. Adam Pengilly Morning to you, mate. How are you? You blokes are lunatic. <laughs> are you a steerer, non-steerer no. in your day? What were you you? What? What's an acceptable amount of time to stare, Lord? Like, is it, is it five or ten seconds? Like, do we have a limit on how long you can... We well, do you, now. Well, Club 77 yeah. does. Mate, I, I don't know, but surely you can just have a quick glance and sort of see whether there's an attraction there and you make eye contact and then you sort of... If you do, you move your way over. But if there's no eye contact, you, you move on scanning. Yeah, well, I think you need to be scanning, Lords. And I, I, I agree with Clark. We need to be a bit old school here and get out and actually mingle and mix with people rather than doing everything through our phones and apps. I think exactly. we need to be out there, out there staring. Well, that's practically. what it's all about. It's all about mixing. It's all about understanding. It's all about connection. <laughs> I'm big on connection, Mitter. Gee, I'd love to just be a fly on the wall 25 years ago following <laughs> L Daly around. I'm just, I'm just interested various... in how this is monitored. What's the gap between yeah. looking and staring? Yeah. When's the when's the security guard with the pink vest Put step in, in and you. give you <laughs> taser you yeah. and throw you out for crossing the looking line and touching I'll staring? Love that. The red paddle. Yeah, you'll have the red paddle. <laughs> it'll be a red paddle or a pink paddle. You'll be there, and then bang, it'll just be in front home of your time. face, and then you're home. Home time, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Out. Time for a kebab. See you later. Oh, I'll tell you what, we put the red paddle up in front of the Brisbane Broncos. Your $12 for missing the top eight is looking very, very juicy. Get in the queue, son. Don't say that, Jared. Really <laughs> yeah. I still need the Raiders. We, well, well, Lodge, we still need the Raiders to win tomorrow, don't we? Yeah, you trust yeah. the Raiders, don't you? <laughs> yeah. First, first half. Great <laughs> time in the last two weeks. So I'm not exactly cheering yet, but the Broncos—they're in all sorts of trouble, aren't they, Jared? Um, they look like a broken football team to me. Last night, well, I suppose to add insult to um, the result was a lot of injuries. To obviously Reynolds coming for the HIA, Flaglove had to be rushed to hospital. I can't imagine Branko Lee's going to be playing next week. He's got a hamstring injury, um, so they're in all sorts of trouble. I wanted to ask you about Kevy. I don't know if you saw the vision last night after the game, and he obviously was absolutely tearing into his players in the shed mm. last night after that result, and he'd be he'd be bitterly disappointed with what's happened. Probably not only the last couple of weeks, but the last month in particular, but. It, you know, at this stage of the season, I sort of looked at that vision. And I thought, well, is this a team that needs a cuddle for next week to get back on track, or do they need a kick? Because I think they're down and out at the moment, the Broncos. And you know, obviously, as a coach, he knows what how to get the best out of his players. But I wasn't quite sure if you know that. Oh, I thought the same thing. And, and yeah, yeah. I, I thought the same thing. I'm thinking, oh, geez, I don't know whether I'd go down that road after a flogging like that with one week to go, and even even if there was yeah, a few weeks to go, because I, I always remember. Tim Sheens, after a, a poor performance, there was nothing said. Mm. He would make his stew on it, and then the review would be absolutely brutal. Mm. And then, because so, sometimes in the heat of, heat of the moment, you can say things that you, you might like to take back the next day or two days later when you review the tape. Mm. And sometimes when you speak... From the heart, yeah, you can you can mix the message and get the message wrong. I, 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 and I can only go on what I accepted at the Raiders when we played poorly was Tim Sheens. There would not be a word said. It'd be the quietest dressing room you were ever in. And you knew the coach was burning and stewing on something. And then you'd be sort of waiting for two days 
for the review <laughs> and then then you'd go out and work on what you needed to work on. Sometimes a spray after the game is not what you need. Yeah, and we're talking about a team who had, you know, Phil and Cobbo there, you know, my star winger, who pulled out on the, the day of the game or the day before the game, sorry, saying he's fatigued and tired. But that, that, to me, gives you an insight into the mindset of the Broncos at the moment. They are really, really struggling in terms of it's been a long season. They're probably overachieved in a lot of respects. I would have thought that last night, you walk in the dressing room, you don't say much. Maybe you put your arm around a couple of guys and say, it's okay, we've got one more chance next week. We can still turn this around. And I, I, just, I just don't know if that message would have got through there last night with, the, with all the finger pointing and the, and, and the screaming and the shouting. So anyway, the, I suppose the proof will be in the pudding. But let's mm. talk about Parramatta for a minute, boys. Like, are, they, are they right back in the hunt now? I, I, I don't know. Like, when they're on, they're, they're fantastic to watch. And I'll go back to that game against the Roosters. It was a couple of months ago now, Loz, at Combank in that first half against the Roosters. And they played some of the best football I've seen all year in that first half. They were absolutely electrifying in attack. And you look at some of their threats with Sean Lane on the edge and Isaiah Papali'i, Junior Polo and Regan Kemmel-Gillard were absolutely fantastic last night. Um, they, they can be a threat, but it's all between the ears, isn't it, for the Eels at the moment? Yeah, it, it is. And I, I like the style of footy because that style of footy, I think, best suits Parramatta. I, I, I don't think the style of footy where it's set pieces and set plays is mm. the way to go for Para. I, I just don't think they've got the personnel to be able to pull that off in big games. The unpredictability, hitting the edge back rowers, the the offloading ability of all their players and play off the back of that is the way to go. But the other thing with that style of footy is is you, you, you can make errors, but they've got to be brave enough to trust that they can still get it done because mm. they'll worry teams if they trust their ability to get the job done and play like that. But you've got to accept that if we make errors, we've got to defend it. And then when we get the ball back, don't go into our shell and don't try and be a team that, you know, goes set for set with a Melbourne or a Roosters or a um, um, a Penrith. I, I, th- I think they've just got to stay the course on what they're trying to produce. And that is some unpredictability in their attack. It'll be a fascinating game next week, won't it, Lodge? If, if the Roosters can roll the storm tonight, like an all, an all, a top four shootout against Melbourne next week on Thursday night, oh, that's going to be that's going to be absolutely mouthwatering. Yeah. Some good news for the Sharks, Adam. Yeah, Clarkie, they're going to get this home final. Uh, if they finish second, it's been a bit of a push on this week, obviously, for them to try and have a have a home final at their suburban ground. If they can finish in second spot and manage to sneak past the Cowboys, and I think they're a chance to be honest. Uh, you look at the Sharks draw, they've also got the Bulldogs this week and the Knights away from home in the final round of the season. You'd expect them to win both those games. And the Cowboys, well, they've got South, uh, obviously, tomorrow in Sydney and then Penrith at home next week. And I imagine Penrith's going to send an extremely weakened team up to Townsville next week. I think they'll be at uh, half-strength Penrith, to be honest. Ivan Clear won't be risking too many guys next week. So there's a chance. And, and I suppose the NRL was stuck between a rock and a hard place with this situation because they've allowed Penrith to have a home final a couple of years ago in the first week of the finals that they're suburban ground and I know the Sharks grounds at reduced capacity at the moment given all the, the renovations and work to be done at their lease club but they are a different beast at home at, at, at Shark Park, the, the Cronulla side mm. so they'll be very grateful to get that game there in a couple of weeks time if they can finish second. I don't think too many teams will be going to Shark Park to play them in the first week of the finals. Do you think the fact that you know it, it's likely going to be if they get a home final, the Cowboys or yep. or Melbourne, that that would have been in the NRL's thinking because if they were playing a massive club like a Parramatta or if the Bulldogs were in the the finals, a really big Souths, you know, a really big drawing team, 
Could they have played it at Shark Park, do you think? Yeah, I think you're 100% right, Loz. The NRL have been obviously doing all their permutations and working out the potential matchups for week one of the finals. And you're right, if they were playing a Parramatta or they are playing a South or, or a big Sydney team in the first week of the finals, well then, it's pretty much a no-brainer to take it to the new Allianz Stadium, given the fact you'd probably get 25,000, 30,000 at least. But when you're only playing you know, potentially the Cowboys or the Storm, like how many how many fans would go to that game if that was played at the new Sydney Football Stadium? Like yeah, that's what, exactly 15, right. 000, Fifteen thousand, sixteen, sixteen max probably. Yeah, yep. yeah, exactly. So letting them have eleven and a half, twelve thousand at Shark Park uh, probably makes sense. Keep that home ground atmosphere. And they've only lost one game there all year. I think they lost to the Roosters come a couple of months. But apart from that, they've been unbeaten at home all year. So it's it's, it's a huge edge for them if they can manage to finish second. What about tonight? Who do, who do you like in tonight's game between oh, the Roosters and the Storm? It's a game, isn't it, Lord? No. Uh, I cannot wait for this game tonight. I'm I'm tipping the Roosters just. Um, I think there's so much on the line for the Roosters. And I, I don't think they'll want to be having to rely on beating South next week at the opening of the new stadium just to qualify for the finals. And that potentially could still happen if they can't beat the Storm tonight. I know Brisbane are absolutely teetering and look like they're going to go out the back door. But if they do beat the Dragons next week and the Roosters lose their last three games, well, then the Roosters could still be out of the finals. So there's still a fair bit to play out. Um, I just think there's a sense of timing about the Roosters isn't there. I think Robbo will have his team right up for this game. I know there's a lot on the line for Melbourne as well, given the fact that they're playing for a top four spot. But what was the what was the line, Jared? Early in the week? Was it four and a half for the Roosters? I think. Yes, uh, the line's three and a half now. Yeah. Three and a half. Well, I, I, yeah. I don't know what you think, Lloyd, but I think it's going to be an extremely low scoring game tonight. Their defence is going to be right up for this, I reckon, yep. and yeah. I, I can't see it being much more than a what a eighteen sixteen or sixteen fourteen something like mm-hmm. that. I don't think there's going to be a lot of points in this game. So I think the three and a half for the Roosters is a it's still a decent line to maybe attack later tonight. Yeah, I like the Roosters. I, I think they're a very, very good side. And I just like their strike. Mm-hmm. And the unpredictability that they have because you've got Joey Manu now is just bobbing up everywhere. They've got young Walker and Keary that are starting to develop their combination. You've got Tedesco at the back. The interesting one for me... And I mean, he will play at fullback tonight, I'd reckon, Munster. They'll, mm. they'll stick with that combination with Mooney. But I'd be tempted to start with Big Nelson on an edge. Yeah. And, and yeah. get stuck into Keary and, 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 and Walker. Walker. Mm. I, I mm. think it's been so effective for them. I don't think he's as effective as a front row. He still does a great job. But I reckon that's changed their dynamics of their attack, Melbourne, the last few weeks with him being out wide. It, it, it just goes to show what a genius Craig Bellamy is, Lodge, because remember five or six weeks ago, and they were in the middle of that losing streak, and he openly said, I do not know how we get out of this. I don't have the answer at the moment. And he's pulled a couple of levers, Munster back to fullback. Uh, I think Brandon Cheese is playing a lot, uh, uh, Brandon Smith, sorry, is playing a lot more minutes at, at lock, and Nelson's gone to the edge, and he's just pulled a couple of little strings, and they look like a different team. They, they do. Like, they, a different team. That's exactly right, Adam. And they look of. They look a team that can score. A few weeks ago, when they were struggling, they, they like didn't even look as though they could put points on the board. Mm. And, mm. and now, all of a sudden, that, that attack is, is clicking. And I think it's got a lot to do with those three players in particular, just finding a bit of form and finding a bit of space and just tinkering with their attack. And it's, it's worked for them. So I, I think it's been a masterstroke by Craig, but I, I don't know whether... He'll do it with Kafusi coming back, leave Nelson on that edge, but you'd nearly be tempted to. Yeah, and obviously for next year, Laws, like they're going to lose Felice and, and Kenny Bromwich on their edges, so they, they might have found their, one of their replacements <laughs> with, with Nelson for next year. Yeah, he's still got a bit to learn defensively on that, yes. that right edge. It's different to defending in the middle, but with the ball, geez, he looks good out there. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Racing tomorrow, what do you like? 
my value bet on the program, Jared. Race two, number four, hope in your heart. I reckon the punters going to back up the truck here and really attack Bloomworth late in the betting. I know we know, know she was so desperately unlucky at Rosehill last start, but I tell you what, hope in your heart went to the line. Similarly hard held. I think she's a horse that can improve. Uh, second up in the preparation, getting out to a bit more distance. And I think, I think when they fuck out a bit more market percentage, closer to the jump time, I think we'll get double figures about her. So race two, number four, hope in your heart. Just a value play there for me tomorrow at Rose Hill Garden. $9 the win, two twenty the place with Tab. Race two, number four. Now, the Sticky Wings multi is uh, Borna King. Sorry, I've been calling it Borna Star. That's a senior's moment. But Borna King, <laughs> the favourite in race three to run top two. And I cheer up. I reckon this horse is over the odds. Race seven, number 12, Grace Alice Styler have just got to run top four. I actually reckon it can win the race. And it's $8. Uh, Borna King looks fantastic, Jared. I love that play. I think, he's, I think he owns that race. And he's a, obviously a top pick for mine. The Grisilli Styler race, I'm really struggling to get a handle on that race. The big question mark about Calipore for, for Chris Lee's stable. Yukon got away with a soft lead last start and can, can figure at odds. And what do we do with Waterford right down the bottom there, mm. Jared? Coming off a of Warwick Farm maiden. So... I like the multi. Uh, I think you get through the first leg. It'll all come down to Grafili Styler in the in the second leg. Yeah, well, the bump it copped first up was yeah. significant, and yeah, it, it looked like it, it you know took away all its momentum. Um, yeah, fifteen dollars Bowman on too. So yeah, anyway, give it strength. Thank you, mate. See you, boys. Have a good weekend. Well, the Tab Million Dollar Chase. The heats continue tonight at Goulburn and Richmond. And there's also a regional final tonight at Wagga. Of course, She's a Pearl won the postponed 2021 edition in May. Only, what, three or so months ago. And there were some sky racing identities in the ownership of that dog. The likes of Jason Lincoln and Mark Holmes. So... And it's the $3.50 favourite, I believe, to do it all over again. Now, joining us, and uh, he's been in the job for a couple of months, he's the Chief Executive of the Greyhound Breeders, Owners and Trainers Association, Alan Hilsinger. Alan, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you guys? Yeah, really well, thanks. And great to have you on the show. And as I mentioned, you've been in the job a couple of months now, taking over from Steve Noyce. So what stood out for you, not only about the million-dollar chase, but just the industry in general? Mate, we're in a great spot. That's probably the best, the best part of walking into a position like this is the industry's gone through a surge through COVID and there's a lot of great opportunities there right now. For me, one of the biggest things is, is finding a new home for Greyhound Racing and it's no secret that Wentworth Park 2027, um, our lease expires. So we're looking for a new home at the moment. We're negotiating with government. So that's all heading in the right direction and this could potentially, tomorrow night, we've got the Nationals on, which could potentially be the last Nationals that's been hosted at Wentworth Park. So a lot of good things happening. There's a lot of um, great stuff that's already been done by Steve and Tony and some of the guys before me. So that's really, really good space to be in, mate. Yeah, Alan, it seems you guys a lot like racing, have this push for the younger generation. Is there? Have you got things in mind that, what, that you'll continue to do uh, or have that push? Yeah, 100%, mate. That's, that's where it's at. I mean, you look at all the statistics, everything from the gambling side of it, the sports betting side of it, um, or the racing betting side of it, through to some of the things that we're doing with um, trainers, owners, 18 to 30, 35 is kind of that age bracket where it's traditionally been an ageing demographic in the Greyhounds. And I think this last few years, you're starting to realise that this young crowd that are coming through, 30 seconds for a Greyhound race is what they want. Mm. They're not looking to to try and have, you know, this long-winded, kind of gambling situation for them. They want to be in it. They want it fast-paced from the ownership point of view. They love it because they can afford it. So, yeah, definitely definitely is. And even coming out to the track, we're doing a whole bunch of different things to attract them out to the track. 
Tell us a bit about your background, Alan. You've been around the industry for quite some time as an owner, I believe. Yeah, I have, mate. I, I grew up in the Greyhounds, so my father was heavily involved. He built a number of um, Greyhound trial tracks, and uh, one of his best mates um, had a champion dog called Roanoke, amongst some others. And I uh, kind of was just surrounded by it, and I went not not off out of the Greyhounds, but kind of wasn't heavily involved for a period of time, built my own businesses, and uh, worked as a CEO of a couple of sporting organisations. And then when my dad retired, I decided to, to get back into it um, in a more serious way. We bought a few Greyhounds together, and uh, fast forward, and all of a sudden, we have 23 greyhounds. We uh, own a property in the Northern Rivers, a casino, in which we have um, a whole bunch of greyhounds out there as well. So, yeah, it's been a it's been a fun kind of venture into it and um, absolutely passionate about it, though. Oh, great stuff. And just the tab billion-dollar chase itself, what do you feel it's done for the sport in recent times? Oh, mate, it just gives us a name. I think people, again, going back to that tag, I suppose, that we have around being the poor man's sport or the poor man's horse racing or whatever it happens to be, I think people started have started to realise that we're not bad anymore. Mm. A million dollars for one race and you've got another one another one um, now knocking on the door worth a million dollars and we've got $100,000 for a, a race these days doesn't even make you top 20 in greyhound racing. So that, that's probably the best part. And the young people to be able to get in there and you, you spend anything from thousand to ten thousand dollars on on a greyhound as far as getting in or getting a share you can be a part of it and a genuine part of it so the million dollar chase has been been massive for us and um especially as i said the young people coming into it and realizing hold on this is something i can get involved in well we, we appreciate your time this morning but before you go alan we've got to get a tip from you if you've got one anywhere we'll yeah. take them anywhere <laughs> mate at, well tomorrow night i really like it so Wentworth park greyhounds we've got um We've got free entry, $15 food and beverage vouchers for people that are coming out there as well, free race book. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff with DJs and magicians and stuff. But I'll tell you, tomorrow night, I think um, in the distance final, Super Estrella, Box 4, if the weather holds out for us, I think she might even get close to the track record. So race eight, number four, Super Estrella is the one that I really, really like. And um, she'll fly the flag for for New South Wales as well. And... um, yeah, I think we're in for a great night. Okay. Yeah, that's race six, number four. Super oh, sorry, Estrella. Race six, yeah, four. Apologies. Race, no, no, yeah. all good. Race six, number four. Whack it in your multis. Uh, Super Estrella is Alan's tip for that distance championship final to jump at uh, 47 minutes past seven tomorrow night. Thank you so much, Alan. No worries at all. Appreciate it, guys. Our scoreboard update. Come on, you two. <laughs> Cricket overnight. <laughs> South Africa uh, won the toss elected to bat. At Old Trafford in the second test. They'll roll for 151. Broad and Anderson, three wickets each. In response, England, three for 111. So the Poms on top. That stumps on day one there, uh, Pup, after why... they were beaten by an innings in the first test. Yeah, I wonder why they changed their game plan. They won the toss first test, South Africa. Sent England in. Won the game in four days. This Old test... Trafford, too. You're always going to get a bit of something over top. Perfect morning to bowl. I think I've asked you this there. before. Were you more no, I was pitch every or time. sky? Generally, all conditions apart from England, I was pitch. England, I was combination, sky and pitch. So even if the wicket was pretty dry in England, if you had overhead conditions, the ball would swing. The, the pitch, generally, you'd look for seam. So England... England generally overcast conditions swing no matter what the surface is like, no matter what the pitch is like. But if you've got some grass on it, you get swing and seam that makes it quite difficult. Normally in somewhere like Australia, 
overhead conditions really doesn't doesn't dictate swing too much. Maybe for a couple of overs. Yeah, right. But generally, you pick your serve. The surface has got grass on it. You can get seam. If it doesn't have grass on it, it's generally pretty good for batting. But yeah, I'm surprised they they did win the toss. So I haven't seen the pitch though, but all the weather conditions. But Old Trafford, you said Manchester. So generally, that wicket's pretty good for batting, and you get if anything, you get reverse swing late in the game. But they might have been thinking about that. But either way, yeah, they picked two well, spinners, South Africa. So that's why they they thought the wicket was going to be dry. Dry, oh, yeah. Too Simon Harmer they, and they picked Maharaj. two spinners, and Amazing. I heard what have they done? That Ilga for? at the toss Amazing. say something about we want to make sure we try and get some runs early because oh. they picked two spinners. Yeah, so they and must they think. think and again, Old Trafford probably spins the most out of any pitch in, in the UK when the surface is normally what it's like. But to be bowled out for 150, there must have been a bit in it. Um, yeah. 53 to 6 power over Brisbane last night. We're going to talk some AFL now, though. And, uh, well, historic day for the Swans tomorrow. At North Sydney Oval, their AFLW side makes its debut in the competition up against St Kilda there at North Sydney Oval. First bounce, 10 past 5, as I mentioned. And joining us now is the Chief Executive of the Swans, Tom Harley. Tom, good morning to you. Good morning, Jared, Michael and Laurie. Thanks for having me. No, great to have you on the show. And this must be a great moment for the club. And what is the expectations, Tom, for the first season? I guess considering the challenges of starting a team from scratch Mm. against established teams. Yeah, look, firstly, it's a a momentous occasion for the club. We've actually, um, in our, you know, we're 148 years old, uh, the South Melbourne Sydney Swans and um, and our women's team is uh, T minus one day old and they yeah. run out for the first time at uh, North Sydney Oval. So uh, you know we've had, we've got an AFLW team and we've got our AFL team and our VFL team um, finishing top four and in the final. So it's a great vibe around the club at the moment. But specifically the women, it's been a uh, it's been a less than a twelve month build and it's been a ten week pre season where we've literally um, built the team from scratch. No mm. pre existing relationships between staff and players. Uh, bundled them all together, and um, the excitement is genuine. And uh, you know, we're, we're we're looking to see incremental improvement each game, um, and great effort and contest in the uh, effort and intensity in the contest. So I'm really looking forward to tomorrow. Uh, Tom, we see uh, female sports in this country continue to grow, and it's great to see. Uh, from your perspective, uh, you'd get a good look at endorsement, sponsorship, advertisement. How how does that go uh, for the girls in, in your code compared to, you know, r- rugby league or yeah. the cricket, for example? Is is it hard to get? Is it easy to get? Are people keen to to align with the the women's side of things? Yeah, I, I think um, I think cricket cricket's been at the forefront of it, uh, along with um, soccer. Um, mm. uh, from the AFL, the, the girls um, were the beneficiaries of a significant pay increase from season six to seven. I think across the board, an average of ninety four percent salaries went up, which is yeah. which is great. Um, so if you take all of the AFLW players collectively, they're the highest paid. Australian sports women um, uh, in the oh, country, yeah. which is terrific. From, from, a, from a club point of view, um, we've we have um, received some really strong interest from partners. Um, uh, QBE, our major partner for almost forty years, they've extended to capture the women's program. Same with Volkswagen. We've had Bing Lee come on board, and University of New South Wales come on board, um, specific for the women's program. Oh, really? um, and then down, I guess, to the granular level of the individual athletes, there's there's a bit of a lag for that, I think. But the most important thing when I talk to the, the players um, is 
yes, the endorsements and the recognition is great, but they just want people to come and watch them play. Mm. You know, there's there's a, there's a nice halo effect around women's sport, but the most important thing, go and watch them play. So. Um, really encourage everyone to get out there on uh, on Saturday afternoon. Tom, can I ask, um, you know, how you put the team together? Is is it a, mm. a local focus in in New South Wales, or do you recruit from all around Australia? Yeah, we recruited from all around Australia. The um, uh, about seventy five percent of our list is not from Sydney, so you know, I think if you if we can forecast ten years down the track, a bit like we're experiencing with the men's team um, with Sydney boys coming through the academy. Um, in fact, we had the All-Australian Awards the other night. Nigel Kenny and Callum Mills were, were named in that squad as academy graduates, which is terrific. So we're hoping that's what happens for the women. But um, the lion's share of our team that will run out tomorrow are uh, Victorian girls, um, which made the build uh, challenging and exciting um, because we had to relocate um, you know, it was about 24, yeah. about 30 players um, from, from Melbourne. Um, in a really tight turnaround, but uh, you know the uh, the the camaraderie that's been generated from such a quick build and move is uh, is powerful. When you look, Tom, at the evolution, sorry, of this women's side and the progress of the men's side in the last couple of years, I mean, post COVID, could mm. you have envisaged two years ago the club would be this well placed on and off the field? Yeah, look, it's been we, you know, we. I was having a good chat to the coach, John Longmire. Um, the other day, and we were reflecting on COVID and um, where our men's team was at that point in time was um, was young and developing, and, and being on the road for a couple of years with young players provided a great opportunity to bed down some of the foundations that you need for sustainable sports teams. So um, it's not by accident. Um, we 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 want to be where we are at the moment, but um, you know, from a from a holistic club point of view. It's it's bloody exciting to have um, you know have the, the finals, the men's finals starting next week for us down at the MCG. The women obviously starting at um, North Sydney, our VFL team as I say in the top four, and we've got a, a new home at the Royal Hall of Industries that we'll move into by the end of the year um, to really put a stake in the ground um, in Sydney. And we've been here for forty years, so it's a it's a great time to be involved with this one. Is it hard not to get super excited, Tom? Because it it seems like it's very open. And the Swans are hitting form at the the right time. Obviously, Melbourne will be a, a tough challenge down there at the MCG. But you've already beaten them this season. How hard is it, I suppose, for the players to stay grounded and the old cliche one week at a time? Yeah, they're they're, they're pretty good at, at that um, in terms of dealing with what's directly in front of you. And um, you know, the beauty about playing finals is you know you're coming up against the best. Um, and probably no better challenge, to be fair, than the reigning premiers on their home deck. Um, they won the Premiership away from the MCG last year, Melbourne. Um, so this is their first final since they've been Premiers back. So there'll be 75,000 people there. Um, and look, it, you have to, you know, as athletes, I think you do embrace the excitement whilst not getting ahead of yourselves. And that, that comes with experience. So we're really fortunate to have, you know, um, not only a young, exciting group coming through, but some, some very mature, experienced Premiership players from 2012. Um, and players that have played a lot of finals steering the ship. So, um, uh, you know, big month ahead. We're speaking with Swans Chief Executive and two-time Geelong Premiership Captain Tom Harley. And on that note, Tom, Swans Geelong Grand Final. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Uh, how would that sit with you? <laughs> it would sit very comfortably. Cause that <laughs> means uh, we, we would be there. So that's a good start. But um, uh, look, the Cats... The Cats, I think, have been the team to beat all year. They, they finished the season two games clear from, from ourselves in Melbourne in second and third. And 
Um, you know, as a, as a club, they've done a remarkable job this century, really, um, to, to constantly challenge and compete. So if we're good enough to get there against the Cats, I'd be very happy. And I would also um, have no question about which side of the fence I'm sitting on. And that's the, that's the red and white side of the fence. <laughs> so many wonderful players in the Swans outfit, Tom. And, but one I want to make mention of, you know, because he's had a, a tough few years and it's his first season with the Swans. Paddy McCartan, yeah. what type of impact did you think he would have on the club and has he exceeded expectation? Yeah, well, firstly, I think it would be fair to say he's exceeded expectation, primarily because he's playing in a position that he'd never played before. He's, he's playing in the back line for us and uh, he was the number one draft pick all those years ago as a key forward. So from that point of view, I think, but... Um, um, we know the McCartan family really well. We drafted Tommy when he was uh, he'd just turned 18 um, uh, out of uh, out of high school down in Geelong. And um, so we knew the type of family that we were bringing into the club. And um, he's been a huge addition um, from a positional profile for him to play that key defensive role. That's what we needed. Um, he sits smack bang in the age profile at uh, just turned 26 Um to have a long career with us. So uh, no, he's been terrific and, and we've been very fortunate to have uh, Paddy partner up alongside his brother, Tom, um, as key defensive pillars for our footy club. Tom, you've re-signed the Warner brothers. Chad, we've uh, spoken a lot about the impact he's made at the Swans this year. Corey re-signed as well. But uh, Lance Franklin, how confident are you that he'll be a Swans player next year? Yeah, look, we, we've, um, I think Lance made a really good decision um, to, to, to take the pressure off and park his future, if you like, and, and you know, he spoke pretty candidly about all of the options on the table and he'll, he'll sort that through with his family at the end of the year. So what I am confident about, if he wants to play, um, I can absolutely unequivocally say we want him to play with us. And uh, But um, as he said a couple of weeks ago, he uh, he decided to to, uh, to, to to park things and we fully respect it. That doesn't mean we're not talking, obviously, but um, uh, look, we're hopeful that Lance plays for as long as he wants to in the red and white. When does the club need a call to be made by, Tom? Uh, oh, no, no pressure at all. I mean, list lodgements are at the end of October, um, uh, and so it would be it would be then, but um, certainly not before then. We don't need to put any pressure on list spots or salary caps or anything like that. Um, uh, I think with someone like Lance, who's had the career that he has had, um, we are very comfortable for him to take his time, and and um, and he knows that, and we know that, so it, it all sits pretty comfortably. Uh, there's two parts to this question. Sorry, Tom. Jo- Josh Kennedy, uh, the influence that he's had on the group, he's announced he's going to retire at the end of the year. Um, yep. Unlikely to make a return this season, and two, the squad um, will be selected next week to take on Melbourne. Other than Josh, will you have a full squad to pick from? Yeah, look, we from, from our, I guess, our, our notional experience, senior AFL players, we will. Um, Sam Naismith is a, is a player on our list who's been battling back-to-back ACL reconstruction, so he's unavailable. Uh, another young player, Mark Sheever, um, with a stress fracture in his foot, he hasn't made his debut yet, he's unavailable. Um, but outside of those two, plus Josh, um, and Josh has started running. I saw him last night. Um, so he's uh, he's very much engaged in the group. Um, you know, we're fully expecting to have um, a full strength squad to pick from, um, which is really what you're aiming for at this time of year. Mm. So Tom Papley uh, was concussed against St Kilda in the last game last week, but um, he'll recover from that through the concussion protocols in time for the first final. 
What a few weeks ahead you've got, Tom. Uh, really appreciate your time this morning and uh, go the red and white. Go the Swans. What a final series. Thanks so much, Thanks so much guys. Anytime. Heads up, punters. The Sticky and Smoky crew are at it again, but this time it's all about the roar of supercars at Mount Panorama. Sticky Wings and Smoky Barbecue are giving you and a mate the opportunity to win a VIP experience for two with this year's Bathurst 1000, including a full weekend hospitality package, grid walk, track lap, and accommodation. This is a serious bucket list opportunity. Keep an eye out for Sticky Wings and Smoky Barbecue in your local IGA, and if you can't find them, then ask the manager to get them in. To enter, simply go to stickywings.com.au or smokybarbecue.com.au and register your details. It's that easy. That's stickywings.com.au or smokybarbecue.com.au. Supercars never tasted so good. Cracking day of racing tomorrow. It'll all be covered on Sky with Brad Davidson on Sky 1 and you've got the San Domenico at Rose Hill Gardens and the Memsey Stakes. What a field for that Group 1 at Caulfield tomorrow. Davo, morning to you, mate. How are you? Morning, guys. I'm very well. Thanks, G. Lodge. You've got that uh, down pat, that read, and I'm not surprised that the big names are uh, not coming for you, mate, to, uh, to get promote their race. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've just worked on my voice in the break, Davo, you know. <laughs> you can tell, Lodge. <laughs> Heads up, punters. <laughs> uh, what do you expect from this track tomorrow at Rose Hill? Well, it all depends on if we get any of this rain that's off the coast at the moment, guys. Um, there's a bit coming in, but thankfully Rose Hill's a little bit inland and not right on the coast of, of Sydney like uh, Ramwick, so we might we might miss it. Um, so, look, I'm, I'm taping around a, a soft five if we do miss that rain, but, look, it's all going to depend on that. But, look, rail in the true position generally favours those horses just in the running line and, and getting a few off the, the fence in the straight. So I don't think it'll be a mad leader's track or anything like that. Um, generally rail true. It's only when the rail goes out at Rose Hill that um, sometimes it can favour those fence in run. But look, expecting a pretty fair track there tomorrow and shaping up to be a really good meeting, guys. How does this San Domenico play out, mate? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? All these horses uh, coming back and got the Queenslanders. Tony Gollan's come out this week and said that you know the probably got the most talent of any horse he's ever had and he's just got to harness it. So um, that's an, an interesting call. Best of all, though, we know what he did uh, as a two-year-old. He's been trialling the house down as well and I'm sure they'll be out to try to make a statement with you too. So, look, I've lent with Best of Bordeaux, but respecting the Queensland and Natuno and a couple of others there, Swiss Exile, um, you know, Zuccarino, spacewalk through the race away first up. But just where he gets to from the, the wide gate, here's a little fury. He kind of got the right run the other day and now comes up with 11 and 12. So that's the concern with him. But, look, Best of Bordeaux for me, but I'm always tread a little bit carefully in these um, with all these horses returning. What's your best bet on the card? Um, I've gone with race three, number one, guys. Uh, Born a King. I just think he sets oh, up really well. Yeah, I just think he sets up nicely. He, um, he was really good at uh, in Melbourne last time out. A good winner at this track and distance two back, albeit on the right part of the track. But I just go through this race and I can't really see anything going that well. And he's the one that that is. So with the claim, I think a really smart claim to get him down to 59. I just hope we don't get more showers. But look, I think he'd be well-backed and hard to beat race three, number one, Borna King. $3.20. And I said, oh, brilliant, because it's in the multi to run top two. And what chance do you give in race seven, number 12, Graceless Styler to run top four? Yeah, well, complete forgive first up, wide off the track. Got bumped. Yep, yep. I think it's a big improver there tomorrow. Um, does have really good ability, as we saw last preparation, and the soft track won't bother it at all. So 
I think if we can get a, a better run in transit, uh, definite good chance to, to run top four. But um, I mean, I'd, I'd expect nothing less. I mean, you know, Laurie Daly's multi is probably the most successful multi going around in Australia. So, um, you know, he's going to have the right horses in there. I expect that a lot. Well, he didn't. He didn't do it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's my tip, Grassley Styler, and we're putting it in obviously with your best as well. So uh, Loz is taking no credit for this unless it loses. Then we'll put it all on him, Davo. Um, but uh, just quickly, a tip in the Memsey. Yeah, gee, it's a, a tough race, isn't it? I'm really interested to see what Western Empire does, the, the WA horse. I think Tefane gets the, the right run again, was a good first-up winner last preparation. So um, there's seven chances, but um, probably leaning to Tefane just um, just there from, with that fresh record last time in. Catch you on Sky tomorrow, mate. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.